Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Since 1983, Eddie Trunk has been the voice for fans of rock, hard rock, and heavy metal. A best-selling author, host of TV's That Metal Show, and seven national radio shows, including Trunk Nation, daily on Sirius XM. Interesting. Eddie offers the world his news-making interviews, passionate analysis, honest commentary, and who knows what else. So welcome to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Thursday via podcast1.com or Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening. Wherever you are, however you listen, wherever you listen, it is greatly appreciated. And here we are on another Thursday, if you're listening on post day, to bring you another great interview and a few thoughts from me before we get to that interview. As usual, as you know, all the interviews you hear on the Eddie Trunk Podcast, they originate on my Sirius XM radio show, which is called Trunk Nation, and heard live Monday through Friday, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time, on Sirius XM radio channel 106 volume. The show replays every night, 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern. It's also available on demand anytime you want on the Sirius XM app. Just announced the other day that my next in my monthly series of broadcasts from the Rainbow in L.A. is going to be on July 30th at the Rainbow Bar and Grill. Guests to be announced. It's totally free to get in. So if you happen to be in the Los Angeles area, come on out and see me on July 30th at the Rainbow. Just come on over. 6 to 8 p.m. Pacific, live on volume that day. And a lot of cool guests that will be announced as we get a little bit closer. As usual, follow me on social media, at Eddie Trunk, Twitter, Instagram, Fan page on Facebook and eddytrunk.com where you will see all my appearances right on the homepage. And there are many, many appearances, many being added on a regular basis, including just added a show that I'm going to be hosting with Deep Purple. And that'll be happening in Shawnee, Oklahoma on September 20th with special guests Pat Travers and Joyous Wolf. And I hope to see you guys there at the uh, casino there that that's all going down in. It's going to be a great time. Trying to find the name of the casino. It's River. Hold on a second. I do have it right here. Here we go. Fire Lake. 
Fire Lake Arena and Event Center in Shawnee, Oklahoma, September 20th, Deep Purple, Pat Travers, Joyous Wolf. That just added to the schedule. Sooner than that, you will uh, be able to catch me tomorrow if you're listening on post day, Friday, July 19th, in New Jersey, in my home state, the Stanhope House in Stanhope, New Jersey, doing my speaking Q&A show. Those are always a lot of fun. It's been a while since I've done one of those, and that'll be uh, kicking in again starting tomorrow, my first one in a very long time. We have some fun there doing some rock talk and taking some questions from the audience and a little live stump the trunk. Also be doing that July 26th in Janesville, Wisconsin at the Back Bar. August 17th, hosting Tom Kiefer at Warehouse Live in Houston. September 6th, catch me in New Bedford, Mass. at the Vault Music Hall, also doing a speaking Q&A show. September 13th, I'm in Tulsa, the IDL Ballroom for LA Guns. Hunting the Beach, California, Sammy Hagar's High Tide Beach Party, September 28th and 29th. And don't forget about Exit 111, Manchester, Tennessee, October 11, 12, 13. And that flows right into the Megadeth Cruise, the mega cruise that is happening. And that I'll be getting on on October 14th. And then I'm back in Tulsa, October 19th at the IDL for Last in Line featuring Vivian Campbell. And then in the Dominican Republic, Punta Cana, 80s in the Sand, November 2nd, Sammy Hagar and more. So much great stuff going on. It's all on the homepage of eddytrunk.com. So please have a listen or have a look, I should say, and check it out. And of course, if you have Sirius XM and you're in the U.S. and Canada, and I certainly hope you do, hope you guys listen each and every day and listen to all the cool stuff they have going on there and uh, keep you updated on the world of rock and a lot of cool interviews and great stuff like that. So be sure to listen to the volume show and, uh, We'll keep you updated on everything going on. And be sure to follow on Twitter, at Eddie Trunk, where I am totally up to date and up to the second with news, info, and updates. So let me uh, tell you a little bit about what's going on on this week's podcast. But before we do, I need to tell you about Arm & Hammer Cloud Control Cat Litter. I've got two cats. I'm a big, big cat fan. I love the cats that I have. One's getting a little older. He's getting a little slower now. I'm envious. All he does is lay around and sleep all day. Uh, and the other is you know, still a little younger, but still pretty active, still very much like a kitten. And that's the thing about cats. They're so different. Everyone physically different. The personalities are different. There's so much to love about cats. You know that if you have them, what great pets that they make. But what you probably don't love about having cats is cleaning up the litter box. And Arm & Hammer is here to help. That's why they created new cloud control litter. There's no cloud when you scoop, which is the worst. It's 100% dust-free. That's great. Free of heavy perfumes. That's great for you and the cat. And it helps reduce airborne dander from scooping. So what happens in the litter box stays in the litter box, and that's what you want. New cloud control cat litter by Arm & Hammer. More power to you. So, a couple quick things here. Uh, I am recording this on the 16th day of July, 2019, a Tuesday afternoon. At the time that I'm doing this, there is no ACDC news announced. However, there are rumors of ACDC activity 
an album and potential tour and a reunion with Brian Johnson and all that sort of stuff. If you listen to the radio show, we've talked about it consistently. At the time I'm doing this, none of that has happened or been announced. However, the one thing that did happen today that uh, raised some eyebrows is for the first time in two years, ACDC posted something on their social media outlets, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Now, none of it is anything of real consequence. They they just basically acknowledge the 40th anniversary of Highway to Hell, which is wonderful. But it's not what uh, fans were hoping for, which is the announcement of a tour or an album. My take on it is that is all coming, and I think they're kind of just greasing the wheels getting people talking, and letting people know to keep an eye on their social media, which, again, has been largely inactive for a couple of years. So I think it's a harbinger of of more news to come and news along the lines of what we're all hoping for. They said, you know, let's celebrate Highway to Hell. I'm not sure how we're supposed to do that. I mean, there's nothing that we know of that's come out new from Highway to Hell as far as a special edition or anything like that. But I do think it's a very encouraging sign, if you're an ACDC fan, of more stuff to come as they just kind of float something out there for the first time in a couple of years to get people talking and, and get the, the, the wheels in motion, so to speak. So we'll keep you updated. Of course, again, you know, doing a daily rock talk show is a beautiful thing. A daily national rock talk show on Sirius XM because we can cover this stuff daily as it happens, engage with the audience, talk to you, and we do that. So if you are on board and listen every day on volume, you know that we'll be getting into this. Uh, If not, and you're outside of the U.S. or Canada, I'll do my best to cover what I can on my social media or, of course, uh, here on the podcast, which is, of course, a a once-a-week sort of deal. But we'll keep you posted as I go. Hope your summer is going well. And uh, again, so much going on with me. It's, you know, trying to keep up with all of it can be tough. I'm trying to take it as it comes and let you know what's going on and hope to see you out at the events that are public and that you can be involved in. Finally, before we get to the interview for this week, I truly hope that if you are in the U.S., you're checking out my show on Access TV, which is called Trunk Fest. Season two is now airing. New episodes every Sunday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 6.30 Pacific. And episodes replay every Wednesday night, also at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And most cable providers also then put the episodes on demand on their various services. Access TV is spelled A-X-S-T-V. That's how it comes up on your grids. It is on most cable systems. It's not on all, it's on most. Some cable systems, you have to have a certain tier of programming to get it. It's widely available on DirecTV, I know that. And as far as streaming options, Access TV is available via Sling TV as well. So hope you guys, uh, there's a ton of great stuff on Access, Trunk Fest being my show. Hope you guys are watching it and enjoying it. Two episodes have aired already this past Sunday from Monsters of Rock Cruise, which was a blast and featured a That Metal Show reunion and the debut episode from Sammy Hagar's High Tide Beach Party. 
This coming weekend, I get my country on at an event called Country Jam and Hangout. I understand most of my audience is not into country music, but if you've watched this show, you know that the show is about the experience of the festivals. So they're a lot of fun regardless, and hopefully you guys check it out and enjoy it and DVR it. I would greatly appreciate it and see my various adventures. Just this past weekend, I shot what will be the final episode of Trunk Fest, so that'll air in like early September. And that is uh, that was a wild experience this past weekend. I was at a festival in Ohio called Ink Carceration, which took place on the same site of the jail that was used for Shawshank Redemption, which was a real jail and is still there, built in the 1800s. It closed in 1990. And what an incredible historic building that that is, a massive building. I got to go in and see the cells and shoot some stuff in there. The festival took place out on the the grounds out front. Uh, interviewed a few artists. It was really a wild place, and we're seeing music festivals pop up anywhere and, and everywhere, including a now deserted jail in Mansfield, Ohio. And you'll see all of it when that episode of Trunk Fest airs. Like I said, probably in five or six weeks, it'll be uh, the final episode of this season. What a blast to do, and what a crazy setting. So if you guys continue to watch Trunk Fest, spread the word about it. We'll see what happens in the future. Hopefully season three gets picked up. I'll let you know. For those of you that tell me you don't get access TV, there's nothing I can do about that. (laughs) I don't control the network. Like I said, it is on most cable systems, but you do have to look for it. It is spelled A-X-S. You may have to buy up on your... Uh, cable systems or there are some cable systems that just do not carry it and the only other option there would be to go to and to look at sling but uh if you get it and watch it you know it's a it's a great channel for music and i hope you guys are enjoying season two just underway of trunk fest sunday nights 9 30 eastern on access tv all right we want to thank again arm and hammer they created new cloud control litter They are sponsoring today's episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast. No cloud of nasties when you scoop. 100% dust-free. Free of heavy perfumes. And all that helps reduce airborne dander from scooping. So what happens in the litter box stays in the litter box. New cloud control cat litter by Arm & Hammer. More power to you. Our interview is with... What I think is one of, if not the greatest rock vocalist we have today. And his name is Jay Buchanan. And he is the lead singer in a band that I feel is one of the best and most important of the emerging rock bands. And that band is Rival Sons. I've been talking about them forever. Their new album, Feral Roots, is my favorite record they've made so far. They are an incredible, all-real, all-live rock band. And Jay is a mind-blowing vocalist. You know, often when I do interviews with artists, it's just before their record comes out or just when their record comes out, and you don't have a chance to live with the record, talk about specific songs, because most people haven't heard the record yet. 
So when the new Rival Suns record initially came out, I did an interview in L.A. with Scott Holliday on my SiriusXM show. But now the record has been out for a little while. And I've really had a chance to listen to it, love it, absorb it. So with Jay, I was able to get more into specific songs and moments on the album, as you're about to hear. The album is still my album to beat for album of the year for 2019. And Jay Buchanan gave me a call from his home in Tennessee just before the band left for their latest run of touring to talk about a bunch of different things. Rival Sons are extremely popular in Europe and England. They actually do better there than they do here in their home country of the U.S., but that's starting to change too, and they're about to go out on a tour that will be a co-headline with Stone Temple Pilots. You'll hear Jay talk about that as well. Jay Buchanan of Rival Sons, their lead singer, he's coming up on this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast right after this. The Eddie Trunk Podcast. Hey, calling all true crime fans. The Court Junkie podcast is now on podcast one. Imagine being wrongfully convicted for a crime you didn't commit. Or a killer is still on the loose, even though there's enough evidence for an arrest. The Court Junkie podcast shines a light on the injustices of the judicial system with deep dives into court documents and interviews with those closest to the case. Download new episodes of Court Junkie podcast on Apple Podcasts, and, of course, Podcast One. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. All right, let's get to it. Our interview for this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast, one of the best singers alive today, in my opinion. I've seen him do it live. It's mind-blowing. His name is Jay Buchanan. He is the lead singer of The Great Rival Sons, and this conversation happened a few weeks ago, just before Jay and the band left for Europe, where they are currently touring, before coming back to the U.S., where they will tour uh, along with Stone Temple Pilots on a co-headline tour. Here is my conversation with Jay Buchanan. Enjoy. Jay, how are you, brother? I'm doing good, Eddie. How about yourself, man? Doing good. You got a little downtime? Are you actually home and off for a change? I am home for a week, and my wife couldn't be happier, man. I'm uh, <laughs> just fixing up the house and trying to take care of what needs to be taken care of when you come home for a week. And, you know, you, uh, guys, you guys... Effort, man. Life's good, though. Yeah, you guys tour relentlessly and have really you know, done it the old school way, building this band up all over the world by going out and playing live. But this time around, if if I, I looked at your touring schedule, it's still pretty relentless, but I do notice there are some pockets in there of a couple weeks between certain chunks of dates. I imagine that's by design to kind of keep your sanity and be able to get back to your family a little bit? It is absolutely by design. Um, I think that, you know, like we're home for a week right now, and then we've got to head over to Europe. And then we were out for a week last week surrounding Bonnaroo, and, you know, we did a secret show in Nashville, and... You know, I hit a couple of places and then, uh, you know, come home for a week and then we're going to be gone for six weeks and then we come home for a week and then we're gone for, you know, three more and then we come home for a week and then we're gone for four more. So it's pretty much like hopscotch, but you gotta, you gotta, uh, you gotta touch base. You know, you gotta come home, you gotta see your kids, you gotta see your wife and you gotta, um, 
you got to keep the home fires, you know, and it does. It helps keep, it helps you keep your sanity, and it, it keeps us from strangling each other on the bus. <laughs> well, you, um, for you as a singer, Jay, and and you know how I feel about you as a singer. For you, do you, do you, does that rest do your voice good as well, or are you one of those guys who would love to be out there doing it every night? If if it wasn't for the having to put some time uh, in at home. Yeah, I think that if I had it my way, you know, I'd love to tour with my family and uh, I could stay out on the road, you know, forever. Um, now, that doesn't mean that I'd like to sing every night. I would love to sing every night, but uh, my voice does need rest like every couple of days, take a day off and everything. Because it's just like, you know, it's such an athletic thing. Um, you got to have a day of rest just to recoup a little bit to keep from burning yourself out. And, um, but if I... I you know, if I didn't have to rest, I'd love to do it every night. Playing live is like, I can't believe I get paid for it. You know, it's, <laughs> this is my job. It's the best thing altogether. The energy and the audience and playing with the band and rediscovering these songs night after night and reinventing them. What's not to like, you know? Yeah. And you know, one other thing I want to ask you about singing, because your voice is incredible and night in and night out and you put so much work into it. It's amazing. I I've, I've seen singers in my life that are great singers and and some that will walk right out on stage totally cold and just start singing and others that are backstage for two hours before they start going through acrobatics and warm-ups and screaming into towels and doing all sorts of stuff and, and, and everything. What's your process to warm up before you go out on stage? Are you one of those guys that just goes out cold and it's there or do you have a whole process? You know what? Interestingly enough, um, I've never been a warm-up guy ever in my life. And I've got a bunch of friends that are vocalists and everything, and they will spend all of that time. And you got to do whatever works for you. However, um, on this last, uh, like in the last month, month and a half, I've taken to, <clears throat> just before we go on, I just grab an acoustic guitar and play and sing, um, for about five minutes and then uh, that's basically all i need it's just you know throwing a couple of screams out there and just singing a little bit uh, for me like my warm-up it really it starts as soon as i get out of bed in the morning or in the afternoon that is <laughs> yeah, and you've been open as, soon as i wake up start yelling at the kids <laughs> yeah right no for it's just um I, th I found that it's good. This record in particular, Eddie, I found, uh, I kind of painted myself in a corner. It's a really, it's the most vocally demanding record we've got. And I knew I was doing that to myself while we were in the studio, but I just figured, you know what, let's just make a good record. I'll, I'll worry about all that other stuff once we uh, get out on the road. And um, my voice has been able to adapt and everything, but, just warm it up just a little bit, have a little nip of whiskey, and um, and hit hit the stage, you know. Yeah, and you, you're the, you've been opening. When I saw your opening with with Back in the Woods, which is just going right for it, right out of the gate, first song. And, you know, I want to ask you about Feral Roots because you just said uh, something that I always talk about, sing, talk with singers about as well. Is like, um, you know, I've talked to Joe Elliott from Def Leppard about this, and Brian Johnson of ACDC over the years, who have you know had all these 
you know, landmark sort of vocal recordings or what have you. And I said, did you, you know, th- at this point, those guys have to try to do that 30, 40 years after they've done it. And they've all told me what they've had to try to do to adapt or tune down or adjust because now they're way older when the, than when they first recorded it. Is that in your mind? Because you are setting some bars on these records, especially Feral Roots. Is that in your mind sometimes when you're doing this stuff in the studio that, I mean, you're not, you're certainly not old, but you're certainly not a kid where you're like, oh shit, am I going to be able to do this at 55, 65 years old? I look at it, I look at it this way. Um, a song's got two lives. You know, there's the, there's the life that, that, that the song lives, you know, immortally on the record. So, you know, that's the one that's going to get played on the radio for however long it gets played. And that's what people are, that's the most familiar um, form of the song for any of our fans. And so, you know, they're going to be listening to that. Well, what, when the song is being born, give it a good, healthy life. So that, you know, reach as high as you can and, and give the very best performance. It isn't about like, um, you know, a good, a, a good vocal and the right line and everything, it's about what suits the song and helps represent what the song is asking to be in the first place. And so when you're in the studio, you really have to listen to the song and you have to respect the song. And if the song is telling you to go for it um, and just jump out of the plane with no parachute, well, that's what you got to do. And then uh, the second life that a song has is the, the song that is the... Uh, the life that the song has live every night. And that's often a very, very different life, you know, stretching the song out, all of the improv, all of the, all of the things that you do to reinvent a song and make the song unique to that in particular or that particular night. And um, Um, so you can do that, but you can't really, um, you have to, you have to respect the song. And uh, I remember, it's funny that you asked that. I remember, our first European tour, we were opening up for Judas Priest and uh, Queensryche uh, was the, uh, the band in between. And so they're right after us. You know, we we're the first of three. And we we're just getting our feet wet on what it meant to tour Europe and everything. And that was the first time we had been on a, a lengthy tour with a, um, a legendary band like that. Of course, we went on to open for everybody and tour just about everybody. But at that tour, I remember I met Jeff Tate because he was still, you know, Queensryche was still together and everything. And Jeff Tate would warm up like crazy, um, sounding like Jeff Tate, you know, and, and so good. And then he would warm down after he got off stage. And I just thought like, you know, that dude really, is really working hard and he's taking care of his instrument. And I remember when I met him, and see, the band already tunes down a half step from most of our material. And he says, you know, Jay, you're really screwing yourself. Goes, what the hell are you talking about, Jeff? Kate? He says, you're really screwing yourself, man, because once you get older, uh, you're already tuned down, so you're not going to have any word to <laughs> And he's telling me, you know, like matter of fact, he's like, you're going to be sorry you did that. And I didn't say anything because I have respect for Jeff Tate. Yeah. But I remember thinking, fuck you. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not going to re- I'm not going to regret anything. You know, once I get older, if I got to change, whatever, great. But you don't like, you don't, 
you don't set your own bar in accordance with what's going to be safe for you later. That's like, that defies everything. That defies everything uh, we do this for. Yeah. So, I don't know. You just live yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. So let me ask you this. Pharaoh Roots has been out for a little bit. As I said, I mean, I love all the records. This is the sixth record. Uh, first for Atlantic Records, top to bottom, it's probably my favorite record you guys have made to date. And I know when I saw you play in New York, you you pretty much did almost the whole record live outside of a song or two. Now that the, now that the album's been out for a little bit, you just put out a new video for Sugar on the Bone, Too Bad, which is one of my favorite songs on the record, uh, the uh, the current single as well. How how you feeling about the record and the delivery of this record as you continue to tour live? Are you going to do that much of it still live or are you going to balance it out more with some of the other records? Cause now you've got a nice problem. You've got six records of material. So set lists are going to start to get a little bit more difficult to put together. I would think, you know, that's, um, that's an ongoing issue for us. You know, we've, so we've got seven records, you know, six records plus a pretty long EP. Right. And, um, it's always a struggle, you know, because people online will talk about the songs they want to hear. Um, or people, you know, they'll scream out songs, uh, it, you know, in between songs and during our set, they'll yell out a song that they want to hear, like as if they were on iTunes or something. And, um, and so we love, you know, we love our entire catalog, but you've only, you have a finite amount of time. And then even on top of that, um, we've got so many different tunings. I mean, Scott has his whole orchestration with, you know, the choreography with all of his guitars and everything and his pedals and all of that stuff. So for the most part, we pretty much have to, it has to be premeditated because the techs are back there, you know, front loading mm-hmm. and, and getting ready to make each song work every once in a while, you know, we'll break out of the box. But um, as far as Feral Roots goes, I think we'll probably sit during this album cycle. We'll probably sit uh, pretty heavy on Feral Roots tracks, you know, just because this is that time. This is that time for that record to get its exposure. Um, and, and I know that, you know, we have a lot of tracks that people want to hear. We've got a lot of tracks that we want to play even. But I feel like this is, this is the time to showcase these songs, you know. And then, on, you know, when we make the next record or whatever in the future, things will naturally balance out as uh, uh, just a natural process of reduction, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a great problem to have, like you said, and to have that sort of catalog. And I'm sure, like, different parts of the world, because you guys are so global and you're out there working all over the world, different people react to different things. I was, uh, I was really shocked when I went to see you that the song, and I think I said this to you guys, either you or Scott or one of the guys after the show, that that the song that has sort of emerged, I guess, in your catalog as the finale that everybody kind of goes off about is "Keep on Swinging," right? "Keep on Swinging" has remained a it's remained a big one in our live show. We we close with it uh, more often yeah. than not, and uh, it works to great effect. And I'm always surprised at the reaction that song gets. And even when we don't put it, uh, you know, last in the set, people have always responded to it. And, um, you know, when you're making the song, you don't know how people are going to react to it. You're just too busy making the record and thinking like, all right, got to get onto the next song. And, um, but I'm really happy that that's one that's endured because it's a hell of a fun song to play. 
Yeah, I never saw. I didn't see that one coming. I didn't. I I, I hadn't seen you guys in a little bit, and I didn't know if it was going to be, uh, you know, Electric Man, or I didn't know what it was going to be. And then I was like, I was like, okay, what's the last song going to be? And then when you went into that, I was in the crowd. I was like, whoa! It just uh, it just struck me shockingly that that was the one that uh, that seems to. You just don't know, I guess, for you as the guy writing them and performing them. You put these things out there. You put them on records. You don't know what's going to be the one that's going to push that button with the masses to get that sort of reaction. You really don't, man. And, and when you're in the studio, like you can't be too precious about it, you know, because you never know, you never know how the, how things are going to work out until the dust settles, you know, on the, on the collection. Sometimes you'll work on a song for a while. And then in the end you'll go, and the song's giving us too, too much trouble. So you just kill it. And that song never sees the light of day. It doesn't matter how long you work on it, but you do that as a, you know, we're very collectively, we're really firm believers in creative abortion that way, because once things become too precious, it's like, it's hard to say what you're really fighting for at that point. You know, you have to be ready. You got to be willing and ready to abandon um, songs when they aren't suiting the band correctly. And uh, so, yeah, you know, when, uh, when we're in the studio, something like, I think immediately, you know, keep on swinging. It felt really good. So you feel good enough to just move on. All right, let's track it. We're good to go. And then you move on to the next one. You were telling me on the new album, Feral Roots, when I saw you that um, the one song <laughs> the one song you couldn't get over live that didn't work was Stood By Me. Everything else went down well, uh, which blows me away because I love that song. But it, it, it works the other way, too. Like one you think would work so well live, you can't get over with the audience. But what what has been the, the, the best stuff that's responded to the new record live so far that you've enjoyed playing the most? You know, it's that's really fun. I remember when we were talking about that back in uh, yeah. Brooklyn. Like, yeah. um, you, know, you take a song like Stood By Me, it's a no-brainer. As soon as it comes on and... I don't even, I can't even handle listening to our material, right? But if that song comes on, a wife is playing or whatever, it makes you want to dance. And when we, we would play it live and I would think, why, what, what's going on here? And, they, uh, and I'd be thinking like, man, I'm having, I'm having enough of a party for everybody in this room just playing this song. And uh, some people would really get into the groove and everything. But I think a lot of the time also just rock audiences they want to like jump and kind of move, but actually getting down and seriously grooving. I think that rock audiences tend to be, they tend to be a little tight about that kind of stuff, you know? And so I, you know, I, I can understand that. Um, but in terms of the best response live off of this record, people have been freaking out about shooting stars, you know, that, yeah. that was one where just the response is really, really great from the audience. Too bad is the other one. Feral Roots is another one where people just, um, they've been great responses and it's, it makes me feel really happy to, to see people responding to these songs. Um, Can I ask you? one that's a little bit, no, go ahead. Yeah, no, go, no, go ahead, f- finish up. I, I, I want to ask you about those two songs in a second, but go ahead and finish what you're going to yeah. say. I was going to say one that has been surprising in terms of uh, audience response is End of Forever. Yeah, um, the audience has really taken to that song, and um, and I think that in particular that song really translates live. That just the energy. Uh, go ahead now. 
I want to ask you about uh, three of my favorite songs on the record. If you just give me a little something on them, their, their, their history, how they came together. But you mentioned too bad. I think the first time I heard the record, that one just floored me and, and just, just checks every box for me and what I love about great rock music. I remember, I remember texting with Scott and being like, dude, this is insane. And right down to your, your scream at the end and everything. Um, tell me a little bit about that song and how that one came together, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. Um, too bad. I wrote the song on bass, and uh, it was one of those like for the entire the entire writing uh, process of the record. You know, it was, it was a good six months or so, at least. I'm you know closer to eight or nine months when I really think about it. Um, well, that was a process of every single night for those months, every night. Um, and every day I would write and then, uh, you know, I'd send Scott my ideas or sometimes I would send in, you know, complete songs. And so I'd, you know, I'd be trying to burn the midnight oil every night and just thinking, okay, you know, I know we have this great opportunity and Scott and I would talk about it. You know, he's out in Huntington beach and I'm out in Nashville. And, um, it's a, it's a hefty amount of pressure to know that you finally, uh, We've got a great team, you know, with Atlantic, Electra, and LCS. A great team of people that are ready uh, to go to the wall for you. But it's also interesting to know that they are going to go out and push a record that doesn't even exist in your brain yet. And so, like, the whole, the whole process of sitting there and just trying to trying to write songs and trying to figure out, like, okay, well, you know, where do we go now? What does the band do now? And so, um, and so you just keep writing and you keep mining and digging around to figure out what needs to be said and musically what needs to happen. And so Scott and I would trade ideas back and forth. Um, too bad in particular, I'd stayed up all night working on another track and I, uh, I forget which one it was. Um, and, uh, in the morning, you know, I was getting up around 11, 11 a.m. or so. So I wake up and I'm laying in bed. And before I really even open my eyes, um, I start hearing this song. Hearing like that sort of a cadence. And it was really an R&B sort of a, sort of a vibe to it, you know, like a D'Angelo sort of a thing. And, um, and so then I go up to my writing room and right away I plug in the bass. I set up my mic and I, you know, and I plug in and I hit record and I just start writing. And I had the, um, I had the chorus and uh, the chorus, melody, lyrics, like all the changes. I had all of that probably inside a half an hour. And, uh, and so I worked on that for a little bit and tried to kind of refine it, but it was really that, that's how it was. And then brought it to the studio and, you know, showed Scott and, and then Scott wrote that infamous riff that was that feels like that one was channeled into him from all those shows opening for sabbath for you guys that's a sabbath-esque level riff in that song man i get no i, I love that riff and it, i remember yeah. at first you know we're in the studio and you know i had all of these you know all of the changes were already written the course like everything but it didn't have that riff it's you know the song was written the melody and lyrics and i remember at first going like man you're playing that riff too damn much. It's stepping all over the song. Jesus 
Christ, <laughs> and then I and then I went back and I'm listening to it and I go, oh no, that's perfect. Yeah, <laughs> that's, a, that's the perfect amount, you know. It's just, yeah. really happy with how that one turned out. We tracked it very live on the floor, and uh, that was that was probably the easiest one to track out of all of them. Yeah, it is killer. Hey, do you have a few more minutes? I got to hit a break. Can you hold for a couple minutes and, and talk a little bit more? Yeah, sure, Eddie. Cool. Yeah, no I want to talk to you about the you got the tour coming up here in the U.S. with Stone Temple Pilots. I want to hit on, and I want to ask you about two other tracks on the record. Get a little backstory on them, because now you know it's kind of cool. Because a lot of times you do these interviews with artists, and I understand they want to talk about the record the week before it comes out, but the fans don't have a time time to absorb the record. Now that the record's been out a little bit, we can talk about a few of these songs, and hopefully, many of the people listening have heard them and, and at least can hear them. So I want to I want to get uh, something from you about two other tracks on the record, and then we'll talk a little bit about going out with stp and also want to get something from you on uh something you did recently with black sabbath i know as well so uh we'll take a quick break we'll come back more with jay buchanan hey it's adam carolla letting you know about my newest podcast going racing me and matt the motorator deandrea that is we'll uh, highlight the fastest cars we'll talk about the best races and the best celebrities and motorsports subscribe now at podcast one More now with Jay Buchanan of Rival Sons on this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast. I know on your downtime being off, last thing you probably want to be doing is interviews, but I'm glad we were able to grab you for a bit today. <laughs> it's all uh, good, Eddie. I really appreciate your support, and so does the band. Well, you know, I, I just feel the band's incredibly important. A number of years ago when I first met you guys, I was like, you know, you got to save rock and roll, right? <laughs> and I believe that yeah. you're you're certainly helping to do it because there's a huge wave of great new young rock bands coming up, and I think you guys really opened a lot of those doors. So I hope that the whole bu- the whole lot of them can be ushered in, and we can uh, we can see a big wave happening soon. I kind of feel it happening. I don't know if you agree, but it feels that way to me. Okay, let's take a minute to talk about this because this is important. First of all, I absolutely agree. Um, you know, we were talking about it about two years ago. Um, I remember I was having a conversation with uh, Dave Macias. And uh, he's the guy that runs 30 Tigers uh, distribution and, you know, that label and everything. <clears throat> and, you know, we were talking about what was going to be happening with rock and roll. And that's, it's absolutely come to fruition. Um, all of these bands popping up. I think that we're just, we're just seeing the beginnings, uh, really of the, of the Renaissance for rock music, you know, and I, I I couldn't be happier to see how much actual rock and roll is popping up. Now, I know that everybody likes a different flavor of jelly bean, so to speak. And, uh, you know, so there's different, there's all these different variations on rock music. And, uh, you know, to each their own. But I like rock and roll. That's, I, I need the role. The role is what legitimizes it all for me. And um, and I'm really happy to see actual rock and roll creeping up and, and, and growing, splitting the asphalt and the concrete and growing up out of the earth again. And um, as to how large it's going to get or anything like that, well, who's to say? You know, I think that the actual heyday of when rock and roll itself as an art form was very young and new, and uh, the record industry was young, and the uh, radio, all of it, you know, was just getting its footing. Um, I think that, you know, 
rock and roll. I pretty much had a monopoly on things. And then everything's changed in between now and then. But I believe uh, very firmly that rock and roll really scratches a cultural itch um, in a way that nothing else does. And I, I see it as a cultural necessity. And, um, and to see it come back into vogue a little bit, I think it's going to be healthy for everyone because the term of rock star or that's rock and roll or this is rock and roll, it gets thrown around so much that the term has been so diluted um, that it's lost its meaning. Now, mm-hmm. You get a, uh, an investment maker that had a great week and closed a lot of deals. Uh, everybody will walk around and throw them high fives with their blue shirts and dead ties about what a rock star he is. That uh, our culture actually needs rock and roll, you know, and needs to remember what that is and the feeling that it pervades in people. So, yeah, I couldn't be happier with how things are going right now. Good, man. Well, I couldn't agree with you more about what you just said. Back back to Feral Roots, two other songs I just want to ask you about real quickly. Another one that I love is um, is the last track on the record. Shooting stars. You want to talk about a record being great? Well, when your your favorite song is maybe the last track on the record or one of your favorites. I mean, what a way to close out a record. The chorus in that with your voice is so beautiful. I told you guys when I saw you, I think it's a single. I mean, the hook in it, everything about it, it's just such an amazing song. Uh, talk a little bit about that. And did it immediately when you you put that song together, did it immediately jump out to you that it would close the record? You know, that, that song really had an interesting uh, birth. And, um, and there were certain times when I wasn't sure that song was going to make it because um, I wasn't sure if it had a place in our, in Rival Sons vocabulary, you know. Um, I like it. I know it rocks and everything and it's got its, its groove and its rhythm and a great riff and the drums are fantastic and everything, but um, it's really a message song and you, you want to be careful when you're, when you're throwing out a message like that. And I'm just thinking, it, is our audience going to take to it? I know it, it means the world to me, you know, and I definitely identify with it. And, you know, if I were a solo artist, it'd be a no brainer, but you also have to consider what is going to be representative of, of the group, of the band, because we're a family, we're a team, and it isn't just me. And so figuring out what, you know, how that's going to work and everything. The song itself went through um, a couple of different arrangements trying to get it to work. And I, I was genuinely worried as to uh, whether or not it would find a home with us, you know. And it ended up taking shape, you know, and the band ended up really um, identifying with it, you know, and it, and then once we really once we brought in that gospel choir, the urban Nashville Nashville Urban Choir. Oh, it's oh amazing. Goodness. That was just, it was it was it was a uh, one of the greatest musical experiences of my life. And just singing in there live with that choir and Shannon Sanders, you know, conducting and arranging the choir. He did an an incredible job. And it was such a joy to work with, as was the entire choir. Um, that was a religious experience. That I will never forget. Yeah, it's amazing. It's a, what an amazing way to close the record. And one, just give me a, a second or two on on um, 
another track that I love that actually you didn't play when I saw you uh, live. It was, but I know you guys said it's in and out of the set. But I but I love Look Away. I love the sound of that song. Miley kills it on the drums on that song. That pocket is ridiculous. Uh, talk a little bit about the origins of that, if you could, for a sec. Yeah, that that song was a was a mother. Right out of the gate, um, Scott had this riff, you know, just that that lead motif, uh, the main riff uh, that kicks in during the chorus, and then he backs it up with it, with another riff that's in that verse, that da da da. You know, um, it was a, the whole song was a knockout. And so I, um, in the studio, the music came together really well. And I knew that I wanted to write about something that was significant to me and that I, I wanted to, um, I wanted to sing something that was close to my heart. And the, the thought of not looking away from, um, social dysfunction or dysfunctions that you see around you. You know, they say that like the greatest, uh, the greatest harm you can do is to do nothing. And I think that, uh, those words, you know, the, I won't look away is very important to me. And, um, and I just, I love that song. I love that song to pieces. And the intro is so long that, you know, there was talk about maybe, uh, turning the intro into a separate song, you know, and just let it go there so you could skip over it. And I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to give people um, the option of skipping over it. You know, if you want to hear the song, that intro, that long acoustic intro is part of the song. It mm-hmm. sets the stage, you know, and um, I absolutely love that song. And, and the, the cadences and the, the cadence and, and the, uh, all of the separate rhythms that everyone is doing, you know, everyone is doing something a little bit differently that creates this collective, um, you know, the syncopation to me, it's, yeah. it's a really special song. And, uh, yeah. it started with Scott's, it started with uh, these two, these riffs that Scott had and boy, um, did it grow. It really grew into something. Uh, Jay Buchanan is joining me. A couple more minutes with Jay. The new Rival Sons album is Feral Roots. It's out now. The band released a, a new video for another great track on the record, Sugar on the Bone, which is out there. You guys can see I retweeted it earlier today. And uh, the band is getting ready to go out on tour here in the U.S. on a co-headline. I think it's a great package going out in September with Stone Temple Pilots. That I think that's going to be a great tour for you guys. And I know you're doing equal sets. Are you... Are you guys opening? Are you flip-flopping? Or how's that going to work? But every, everybody's going to play equal time, right? Uh, yes, yes. It, it, well, it's really, it, and I can't believe I'm saying this to you, or, you know, to your audience, but it's a co-headlining tour. Yeah. And that just seems crazy to me because it's Stone Temple Pilots, you know, and um, they occupy just a very, a very, they occupy a lot of real estate, Um in uh, you know rock and roll history over the last 30, 30 years, and uh, but the DeLeo brothers approached us. You know they're such good dudes, and they are, uh, and and they're Southern California boys just like we are. Actually, they're originally from New Jersey. Jay is a Jersey guy. I got to jump in. I don't know if you know this, but those guys are originally Jersey boys. 
What did you just say? <laughs> tour is off. <laughs> I just killed the tour. Oh, I gotta make some. I gotta make some phone calls, man. <laughs> no, I, I actually. You know what? I I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I just knew that the band had come up through um, uh, from San Diego. You know, and that yeah. down there from. From what I could remember, they Jersey. did. But Robert, Robert, and right, Dean grew up at the Jersey Shore. Wow! Well, excellent. Uh, I like <laughs> the Jersey Shore. Well, those guys—they approached us to to do this, and I just thought it, it's just—it's such a generous gesture, and um, and it's so kind of them, and it shows their belief in us and yeah. them wanting to uh, bolster our position in, in the. Um, you know, in current rock and roll and everything, it's uh, very thankful. You know, they're very sweet, and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I, I believe it ties in some of the old with some of the new, and uh, and we haven't really put in very much time with very many, you know, quote-unquote, like, 90s um, rock acts. And so I think that this is, this is a really good experience and a great opportunity not just for us, but for the uh, the rock audience. Really excited about it. Yeah, I saw. I thought so too. When I first heard about it, I thought it was a great bill. I was thrilled that it was a co-headline because I, I thought that was a great thing for you. Because as a fan of both bands, I want to see a full set from Rival Sons and and STP. So I was thrilled when I heard that as well. And I, I think too, you know, I mean, obviously you did all that touring with Sabbath, but. I think in a, in a way, the, a tour like this is probably even going to get more eyes and ears on Rival Sons than that did, just because big arena show like that, you get a lot of people drifting in late or coming in towards the end and maybe catching the last song and not really seeing the opening act all the time. I think this is a co-headline in these venues across America is going to be a great thing for you guys. I agree with you. You know, um, going out with Sabbath for over a year the way that, way that we did, um, you know, we're not stupid. We know nobody was coming to see us. <laughs> it's Sabbath. It's Black Sabbath's final tour, <laughs> you know. Um, and so, you know, we, we were aware of, of what was going on. But that being said, um, Black Sabbath gave us the opportunity of a lifetime. And, and it really did help our career. It really did give us exposure. And we have bragging rights on everyone. On top of that, and we, we were able to build these relationship with these relationships with these giants, and those were the guys that really, um, you know, we're playing theaters and everything, but those were the guys that said, "Hey, listen, we need to take you. You guys need to go to college. We're going to take you to rock and roll college, and you, you guys are going to get your master's and your doctorate now, because <laughs> we're going to give, we're going to show you how to how to be an arena band. You guys need to grow up now." And they were the guys that had, they gave us the diploma. They let us spend uh, that time every night on their arena stage. They gave us that breathing room and they gave us that room to grow. And it's crazy enough. It, it's, it's a crazy enough story. It's, you know, it's a crazy enough story to happen in the first place with any band. But to look at all of that, it's like something you'd see in a movie. Um, but to know that it was uh, Black Sabbath that gave us that opportunity. They were the, the ones that gave us a leg up and helped pull us up uh, out of the clubs and uh, theaters like that. I mean, that's, yeah. like, that's fairy tale style, you know? And we're, we're going to be thankful 
to those guys and indebted to those guys forever. Yeah, it is amazing. And that ties in perfectly to the last thing I want to ask you about, because you recently did something, was it for a Grammy legend or something like that, where you guys actually played at it honoring Sabbath, where you played, where Rival Sons played a few Sabbath songs, right? This is really crazy, Eddie. We were out on this tour. We were out on a, a national tour in the U.S. We get the call. Uh, okay, we want you guys to... Um, you guys want to do this uh, this Grammy um, Lifetime Achievement Award thing for um, for Black Sabbath? Said, of course. You know, what do you want us to do? It says, you know, pick a few songs and do a medley. Okay, yeah, no brainer. You know, we'd be honored to do something like that. So we threw together some songs, and then uh, you know we run it in sound check a few times, and uh, and we feel good about it. So we do that, and then a couple of days leading up to it. Um, we find out through management, they say, uh, yeah, and also, um, Jay, could you and Scott uh, also write uh, and introduce Black Sabbath and do uh, write a speech that's like a, a retrospective of their career and what they mean to the rock audience? <laughs> and this is on television, you know? Mm. And... Um, and so Scott and I were talking about it like, what? Wait, we got to do this right now. We have to write this. Their entire career, we're the guys in charge of that. And that seemed insane because there are so many people that are qualified to do this. And uh, Black Sabbath means so much to so many people. And we recognize that. And I, I know that there are a lot of people that, that are qualified uh, to, uh, to talk on, on Sabbath's behalf and, and to glorify their, um, what they mean, you know, to the rock community. But they had us do it. You know, we were the guys that were there paying homage and, and doing a tribute to them. And so Scott and I, uh, we talked on stage, you know, with the teleprompter and all of that stuff and wrote, uh, wrote these pieces. And you want to talk about nerve-wracking, man. Because I'll get on stage if I got if I'm going to be playing music, no problem. I'm built to do that. But when it comes to being an order uh, to bestow, you know, to introduce such a great honor uh, on these living legends, um, that was really a trip, man, a real trip. And uh, uh, on one hand, it's nerve wracking, but on the other hand. Um, it feels so good to be part of honoring those guys when they um, mean so much to us and when they've been so, so kind and so giving to our band. Uh, it's really quite an experience, man. Well, listen, man, I, I appreciate the time today. I really do. And safe travels with all the stuff coming up in Europe, all the big festivals and everything. Everybody check out Rival Sons, Feral Roots. Anybody that's listened to me, follows me, you know how much uh, I love this band and how much I feel so strongly about this record. The new video that came out uh, just today, I believe, Sugar on the Bone, Too Bad. Uh, check that out. That is uh, the current single as well. And look for the tour with Stone Temple Pilots, co-headline coming here to the U.S. in the fall, which I cannot wait to catch some of those shows. Thank you so much, man. Great to yeah, talk man. to you. Enjoy the rest of your oh, time of off. Thanks, Eddie. Hey, and really quick, if I can just add one more note. Earlier yeah. in uh, in the interview, you know, we were talking about uh, 
you know, writing songs too high and all of that. And I, I had talked about, uh, you know, talk with Jeff Tate backstage and everything. I don't want to throw shade on that guy. That's not what I meant. You know, when I was, uh, talking about talking with him, that, that guy was being very nice and, and trying to offer me advice. I think that, uh, you know, what I had to say about that was more about my green mentality. And, uh, who are you to tell me what's good for me? You know, and nine, nine years on, I see what he's talking about. And I can see <laughs> that the guy was just trying to help me. So no disrespect to Jeff. And, uh, I appreciate his help and, uh, and his guidance on stuff like that. Got it, man. Rivalsons.com is the website for all the information that you need on this great band. Be well, sa- uh, travel safe, and I'll see you soon, Jay. Will do. Thanks, Eddie. Take care, bud. You too, man. Bye-bye. Well, my thanks to Jay Buchanan of Rival Sons. The new album is phenomenal. Check it out called Feral Roots, and look for that band touring with Stone Temple Pilots on a co-headline tour in the U.S. coming very soon. If you're in Europe, they are touring there right now. Thanks to Jay for the time. Really enjoyed chatting with him. Join me next Thursday for another all-new episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast, as always, free on podcastone.com or, of course, Apple Podcasts. Also, be sure to follow me on social media, at Eddie Trunk, Twitter, where I am most active, Instagram, fan page on Facebook, eddytrunk.com. All my appearances are on the homepage, including next up this coming Friday, tomorrow. And that'll be going on at the Stanhope House in Stanhope, New Jersey for a speaking Q&A show. And then next Friday, the back bar in Janesville, Wisconsin. Come on out and see me. Hope you do so. And be sure to watch Trunk Fest. New episodes every Sunday, 9.30 Eastern on Access TV. Thank you for watching and thank you for DVRing the TV show. And be sure to listen every day, Monday through Friday, live rock talk for Trunk Nation on Sirius XM 106, volume live 2 to 4 Eastern with a replay every night, 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern, and on demand on the Sirius XM app. If you're in the U.S. and Canada, Please join me on SiriusXM for our daily dose of rock talk. Katie Irizarry is the producer of the Eddie Trunk Podcast. I'll see you next Thursday.
Hello, guys. It's MMA fighter Chael Sonnen. Check out my podcast, You're Welcome, with Chael Sonnen every Wednesday and Friday right here at Podcast One. We cover the latest in mixed martial arts and everything else going on in the world of sport. Listen free to You're Welcome with Chael Sonnen, exclusively available at PodcastOne.com and on the Podcast One app. If you love the show, share it with a friend and leave us a rating and review. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave.